0: Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, August 9th, 2019. On today's report, I will be talking about why the Trump administration chose to withdraw the United States from the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty, or INF, a treaty with Russia that had been in effect for 22 years. Yes, today we will take a foreign policy journey in hopes that the killing abroad will drive away thoughts of the killing at home, at least for a few minutes. I try to use logic and apply that logic to what the world leaders are publicly saying in order to gain some perspective of what is really happening, what is actually illogical, but nevertheless happening in the world, then come to some conclusion. Given the evidence that I have, the INF Treaty was painstakingly negotiated by President Reagan and the leader of the Soviet Union at the time, Mikhail Gorbachev. Finally, it was signed in 1987. It became an integral step in the dismantling of the Soviet Union and the relaxation of tensions between those two countries. President Reagan acted on behalf of Europe. He removed much of the nuclear threat to our NATO allies, intermediate-range missiles, have a range of 310 to 3,400 miles. Therefore, they were no threat to the United States. Europe, on the other hand, was totally exposed to the missiles, as was the Soviet Union since America had stationed intermediate-range missiles along Europe's eastern borders. Intermediate-range missiles are extremely dangerous because the warning time of an attack is almost eliminated. The missiles can hit targets in a first-strike that can greatly reduce or eliminate the ability of the targeted nation to retaliate. The treaty eliminated 2,692 such missiles with opportunities for both sides. To verify elimination, it helped to establish trust between the two leaders and the two governments. Reagan's trust but verify statement became part of folklore, but its result was a more peaceful world. Why then? Would the United States withdraw from a treaty that had been so beneficial to both nations? There are many collateral issues, such as the willingness to accord Russia any respect as a great nation after the demise of the Soviet Union. Number two, the willingness, unwillingness of the NATO countries to live up to their agreements and spend the agreed amount on their own defense. Therefore, President Trump just saying, okay, look, if you want... Uh, relieve part of our NATO cost as you've agreed to do, then you're on your own. Those are factors, but not the real reason for ending the treaty, the real reason. In my view, is containment of China. What could a missile treaty with Russia possibly have to do with China? That country has been in rapid expansion all over the world, seems to be in a kind of informal alliance with Russia against the United States. Just listen to or read the words of the leaders of the world's nations, especially the United States, and you can often see their intent quite clearly. China has recently said that the United States is its number one enemy. You are aware that there is a trade war going on between China and the United States, and now China has expanded that to a currency war. Earlier this week, President Trump, applied a 10% tariff to the last $300 billion of Chinese goods. Shipping without tariff, that could be devastating to a Chinese economy, completely dependent on exports. Everything made in China will now cost more than before the tariffs. The world's economy, already slowing, due in part to increasing debt loads of the various trading partners as well as Sanctions placed on various nations by the United States. The Chinese had to either retaliate for the tariffs or lose face, so they allowed their currency, the yuan, to devalue. They said it devalued due to market forces, but everyone knows they devalued it in retaliation for the tariffs, reducing the value of the yuan to its current value against the dollar is close to unprecedented for China. With a lower value yuan, everything made in China is now cheaper. So it becomes a race to the bottom for the two countries and the two economies. The United States controls the world's financial system through its reserve currency status and through the Federal Reserve and other central banks' ability to create money. Trillions of dollars are nothing but blips on the computer screens of banks, just digital ones and zeros, but to those countries, not in control of the system, those blips and zeros are real money. The United States can place sanctions on a country's ability to transact business and sell its ex- exports that it is done with Russia, Iran, North Korea, Venezuela, and many other countries. When you tell a country such as Iran, which is almost 100% dependent on oil exports that it cannot sell its oil on the world market, then that country will dry up and die unless someone cheats right now. China is the only country willing to cheat the sanctions and buy Iranian oil. The dollar was backed by gold until August 15, 1971, when President Nixon defaulted and removed the dollar from its link to gold. Would it be th- fair then? Would it be fair to say that the dollar is just? Computer blips, backed by nothing but thin air. No. No, folks, that would not be fair and not accurate because the dollar is backed by something. It's backed by the United States military, especially the Navy and its carrier battle groups which constantly prowl the world's oceans, controlling trade and reminding the world who is in charge. In order to avoid the U.S. Navy, then, China finds itself trying to fulfill a task, a dream, That has been the dream of empires since at least the ancient Persians. Napoleon, Hitler, Stalin, all tried and all failed to unite Eurasia into a vast empire stretching from the east coast of China in Asia to the west coast of Portugal on the western tip of Europe. Such an empire, if it existed, would link two-thirds of the world's population and at least one-half of the world's GDP that dream of Eurasian Empire is called Mackinder's Heartland Theory. It was developed by a British historian named Halford Mackinder. In the early years of the last century, he theorized that whoever controlled the heartland of Europe and Asia at the same time would control the whole world. The United States has spent the last 100 years or so trying to prevent that from happening. My argument is that virtually all United States foreign policy is based on keeping Mackinder's heartland theory from becoming a reality. What does Mackinder's theory have to do with the decision to withdraw from the INF Treaty right now? China does not have the military power to make a Eurasian empire happen, but it does have the finances, thanks to many years of trade deficits with America. Enter then the Belt and Road Initiative, known as BRI, which is nearing completion and will connect by road, rail, pipeline, and shipping all of Europe and all of Asia, thus avoiding control and sanction by the United States Navy. The BRI is China's version of the ancient Silk Road, where camel caravans carried silk from China to Europe and the Middle East. It also reminds me. Uh, The old communist philosophy, the old saying that said we will sell the capitalists the rope to hang themselves, since our trade deficits with China are paying for much of it. Chinese money is flowing freely across the world of Eurasia. Almost everyone is taking it. The Chinese are loaning vast sums of money to the governments and corporations of various countries to complete their portions of the BRI, then The work is being done by Chinese firms, mostly. And those firms are mostly owned by the Chinese government. They get it all, you see. When Secretary of State Mike Pompeo explained the United States' withdrawal from the INF Treaty, he said that it was, of course, all Russia's fault. He also said the United States wants to build an entirely new supply of intermediate-range nuclear missiles which the INF Treaty would not allow the United States to do. He said, these new missiles will be deployed in Asia. So you can see that withdrawal from INF was not about Russia at all. Russia is no threat to the United States, you see, but it's about containment of China. Pompeo has been in Australia and the Far East discussing plans with different countries, gaining the cooperation of those countries with hosting The new missiles, with a 3,400-mile range on their own territory, China has warned the Asian countries that if they host the missiles, they will be targeted. Tension is building then, building in the world both economically and militarily. The U.S. stock market has fallen steadily since the U.N. devaluation. The world economy seems to be slowing every day in my law office. Along with a lot of struggling people, I see a list of companies – that are closing or in bankruptcy right here in America. Interestingly, the new Secretary of Defense, just approved by the U.S. Senate, is Mark Esper. Formerly, he was Secretary of the Army. He seems to be very qualified for the job of Defense Secretary. He's a West Point graduate from the West Point class of 1986, which was also Mike Pompeo's class. He's a qualified Army Ranger. He served with the 101st Airborne Division in the Gulf War. There's always a but, though. Always a but, it seems. And the but here is that he is also a former vice president of Raytheon, the company that will build the new supply of intermediate-range nuclear missiles that he himself is ordering. Is this just business as usual in the swamp? that makes up Washington, D.C. I can't help but think it is. It's just business as usual. Just move along here, folks. Nothing, nothing to see here. The Chinese use trade policies such as the World Trade Organization and now BRI as tools to further Chinese national interests. China's largest global corporations are state-owned and are used as an arm of the Chinese government. American corporations, on the other hand, Use money to lobby and influence the foreign policy of the United States to enrich only themselves. There's no patriotism left in the corporate world, very little, if any, in the political world. Patriotism is just a quaint concept for little people like us, not for those who really matter. These corporations offshore manufacturing, import commodities at low prices because the commodities They import are subsidized by the Chinese government. They move operations overseas to avoid American taxes and then come running to the military every time they encounter a hostile group abroad. They demand cheap labor at home. They're more than willing to import the third world in order to get that cheap labor. They have found it's cheaper to lobby the government to bring the third world here than it is to move to the third world. This is all very legal and all approved by Congress and the United States Senate, except, of course, for what Google is alleged to be doing right now, which is aiding the Chinese Communist military against the interest of the United States. In conclusion, folks, we won the Cold War. It cost a lot of money, a lot of lives, but the Soviet Union collapsed as a failed concept. Now it seems we're in an even more dangerous Cold War with China. That could turn hot if someone strikes a match in the wrong place. Why is all this necessary? Why can't we just mind our own business? Encircling China and Russia with nuclear missiles seems like a really bad idea to me. Powerful forces work every day behind the scenes. Day and night they work to keep American leaders from doing the right thing. There's a very clear and obvious choice for America. Unless we make the correct choice, we will end up morally, financially bankrupt, and without any status in the world that seems to be no motivation to do those things, no motivation at all to do the right thing. Our only choice is to continue a policy that has failed time and time again. Paul Craig Roberts pointed out in a recent article that Donald Trump campaigned on the promise of reproachment with Russia, and withdrawal from the Mideast wars. But the deep state will simply not allow those things to happen, and as a result of fear that he might do what he promised, he has spent his entire first term fighting off completely groundless charges of Russian collusion. Tulsi Gabbard, the smartest and most sensible Democrat in a long, long time, also advocates... Minding our own business, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and CNN have already determined that Tulsi is not a credible candidate. My understanding is that she will not be allowed in future Democrat debates because she is, quote, not credible. The result is that no matter who is elected, the madness continues. Nothing will ever change. They have to have their wars, you see. They don't care how much money the Democrats give away as long as they can keep their wars. Finally, folks, this is all evidence that representative government in the true sense is just an illusion. We are allowed the illusion that we still have choice, but if we exercise that choice as we tried to do in 2016, the Ministry of Propaganda goes to work to nullify it. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.